Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revell. Hello and welcome to Inside Speedway. It's a very special show tonight because we're joined by the first two Hall of Fame inductees announced for 2023. And, well, I've got to say, I know them fairly well. Welcome, Dennis Newland and Howard Ravel. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks very much, Craig. Howard, it's uh, an amazing honour for yourself. You've had some time to reflect since we saw the video that the announcement was officially made. How have you reflected on it since that time? Well, I've finally come down to earth and um, it, it's an amazing feeling um, to be recognised in the Hall of Fame alongside my dad. And Dennis, for yourself? Well, I, I, I can... Um pretty much to say something very similar to Howard. Um, uh, I, I've only sort of just stepped off cloud nine in the last couple of days. Um, but um, to be recognised by your fellow peers and the people who nominated the both of us as well, I mean, that counts for a lot. This is this is an exclusive club in, in the history of Australian Speedway, no question. And particularly hard for you, father and son, I think that that is is a very very special honour, believe me, in in the history of this sport in Australia. But in Australia, that's right. Yeah. What I didn't realise until more recently is just how intertwined your lives are. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think that a journalist and a motor mechanic would have such a long and strong relationship, Howard. Well, that's pretty right. Like it's just sheer chance that we ran into each other when we were working at WH Slovers. Um, I was a mechanic there and uh, Dennis was in the spare parts room along with his mum. And, and whenever yeah. I'd have to go up for um, spare parts and Dennis served me, well, the next five minutes was taken up with um, Speedway Talk. And um, that's very true, Howard. And um, I can recall those days very, very clearly. And and um, I had just uh, got involved with writing. We are talking around 1966 here. And um, I, I do recall all of those days, WH Labor and Company at McAlone Street, Woolloomooloo in downtown Sydney. And um, they they probably set our respective careers on a, on a path and an appointment with destiny. And it's quite quite unique that uh, a path into the future and here we are the same year honoured in the Hall of Fame. I mean, this is phenomenal. I mean, these are what statistics are made of. <laughs> yeah. It's quite unique. It really is. All those years ago, little did we realise, Howard, one day, well into the future, we talk, as I said, 1966, and here it is, 2023, yeah. Here it is. We are united under the one roof in a unique and exclusive club honoured on the same night. Now, what are the odds of that happening back in 1966? You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even well, think that far into the future. 
you know. You've never even looked that far ahead. No, and and that's that to me is very special on this night, coming up on the third of June, uh, at the Victoria Pavilion at the uh, Melbourne Showground. Um, you know, two people as you said, as you said, Craig, intertwined, and over the years, a great friendship, a terrific friendship. And and a friendship, a great friendship with the Ravel family. I mean, this this all started off as I had le- you know left school, wanted to be a speedway journalist, and Howard and Mona McCanning getting into speed car racing. I mean, it's an incredible story. This also yes. Many people would be surprised, Dennis, that you had a career, albeit probably a short one, but you had a career outside of journalism. Um. In the area, uh, well, well, yes, um, yes, yes. Um, but my journalistic career, yes, my journalistic career though has always been the most prominent. You know, uh, right, right, right from day one. There's no doubt about it. You know, um, but yeah, it's a, it's 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 a great honour, Craig. I mean, look. You know, as as Darren Tyndall said to me from Speedway CEO, Speed, or General Manager of Speedway Australia, you know, this is an exclusive club. It is indeed. And when we talk about you two, do you remember, Dennis, the first time you wrote a story about Howard? Yeah, I do. Um, it was when he won his first 100-lap race at the Sydney Showground in November 1966. And in those days, I was just making my way into the world of uh, Speedway journalism or or journalism. And um, it was for the Bankstown Torch newspaper here in Sydney, a suburban newspaper. Um, And, yes, um, I I do remember it clearly, and and I always remember the paper used to come out. It was a suburban weekly newspaper, but it always came out on the Wednesday, and I'd written the story in time. I had to file it on – well, when I say file it, I had to physically take it down to the address in in Bankstown and and put it in a (laughs) letterbox. We didn't have emails in those days. (laughs) No. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, and it was typed on an Olivetti typewriter. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Incredible. Howard, what's your first memory of Dennis's writings? Reading him, reading him in the paper. So it was newspaper. It wasn't the specialist magazine. No, no. In um, like Dennis said, the uh, local local rags. Um, every now and again, you'd see an article there saying. Uh, read what he's written about. Um, yeah, I, I, there was a I couple. Think... There, there was a couple other magazine um, newspapers you wrote for too, Dennis. I can't remember what the name of them. Yeah, was. well, well, that was that was the uh, the stepping stone into doing some articles in Bill Beecham's National Speed Sport, which in turn uh, led me to KG Murray Publishing Company in Clarence Street, Sydney. Um, and a magazine, Australian Hot Rodding Review, and I got a regular gig in Australian Hot Rodding Review, um, which in turn led me in 1970, and, and I remember I I started uh, 
on the 7th of September 1970 at Australian Speedway News newspaper, fortnightly newspaper, working full time. So it was September 1970 that I really then uh, found my feet and did it full time and virtually full time from there on in because, as you know, Howard and Craig, uh, 25 years publishing my own Speedway National Speedway Illustrated, and also a heavy involvement um, with, in later years, um, with, of course, um, Speedway Racing News. Or when I say later years, I I actually got involved first time with uh, Speedway Racing News in, in 1972. And I suppose if there's one unique record, I don't know whether it's an infamous record or a famous record, I was in the very first edition of Speedway Racing News in February 1972 with three stories. Now, Speedway Racing News had a bit of a literal chicken lifespan and it closed permanently, sadly, August 2015. And I bookended my time with SRN with three stories, three articles under my byline in the very final edition. <laughs> So three to begin right. with, three to begin with, and three to finish with. <laughs> okay. Mm. Now, Dennis, when did you release the Bob Tattersall book? Uh, that was 1991, Howard. And uh, before that, the, wasn't it? Yeah, no. Well, I was working on it in 1990, but I, I'll tell you the story there. I, I went to America. Uh, it was released earlier in America. You you, you, you are technically correct. And um, I then, uh, around 1990, then I brought it to Australia and, and freighted it to Australia, and, and it was early 1991 then. Um, and that was probably a special, a very special occasion um, because of... Um, um, Bob Tattersall, who he was in Australian American speed car racing from Streeter, Illinois, but very much a legendary figure in, as you know, Howard, in Australian speed car racing. And I remember Howard in 1967, you matched race how raced Howard Ravel at the Sydney Showground. Well, I remember that too. Yes, you did. <laughs> he gave me a driving lesson. I think you met. He match raced Tattersall. Yeah. Because the match race between Howard Ravel and Howard Ravel, we know who the winner is. Oh, did I say did I say that, did I? <laughs> you see, I'm still on cloud nine here, Craig. <laughs> well, that's what the sub editors are for. Oh, I love it, Craig. Thank you. <laughs> well done. Perhaps, Dennis, you grew up watching Speedway from a very different perspective to what Howard would have been watching Speedway from. Can you talk about your perspective of watching Speedway and, and then we'll get Howard's version? Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I mean, oh, look, look, I, I, I thought it was the greatest show on the planet. You know, it was there in front of you. I mean, I was, I owe it all to my mum and dad, you know. Um, they met through Speedway and, of course, um, when I came along, um, I had, they gave me the passion. Um, and, of course, going to the Sydney showground in that golden era the, the from mid to late 50s uh, and then through the 60s well uh, it, it was a colour, it was excitement it was massive crowds and I always uh, say that it was the Sydney showground and 
the venue, the entertainment, sport, the colour, the excitement. It was the Sydney showground that made me want to become a journalist in Speedway. And and if I can just self-indulge a little bit here on a very, very, very personal matter, I guess. My mum, as I said, and dad met through Speedway. My mum... As, as you knew my mum too, Howard, uh, and yep. my dad. Um, uh, my my mum was in, incredibly passionate and um, so was dad, but so passionate that she was eight and a half months pregnant with me and attending the Sydney Showground Speedway <laughs> and, and the Sydney Sports Ground, right? Sydney like Sports you Ground. Born there. Uh, so, well, I could have been. It could have been very close. I'm led to believe um, on the final time. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, the bottom line is, she was there on the on a Friday night at the sports ground, the Saturday night at the Sydney Showground, and a little antidote. I suppose at eight and a half months pregnant, you 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 know you you can. I'm thinking to myself, what the hell's going on out there? You know. <laughs> You know, the, the roar of the engines, the noise of the crowd, the commentator screaming with the excitement. Like, Let me out of here. I've got to see some of this. <laughs> I think that's how it literally all started. <laughs> what about you, Howard? Your early memories, because uh, Dennis had the family with him on the side of the racetrack, but you were occasionally watching your father on the racetrack. Yeah, well, that's right. Um and as, as I said, it was just the excitement, especially at the showground when the race would start, the grandstand lights would drop down and the only illumination was the lights over the, over the circuit. And um, both the bikes and the cars, just awesome shows. They really were. And because that was uh, competing... That sort of rubbed off into my blood. And um, our directions probably changed a little bit because Dennis was always on the outside of the fence looking at what was happening uh, to get stories where I was on the inside of the fence looking what was happening around me to keep my head on my shoulders. So we were probably looking at different things at those particular areas. And um, Dennis's um, passion is still going where I've backed off many, many years ago. Um, It's a young man's sport to compete. Just going back to your your and what we're saying about the a, a night at a speedway, be at the Sydney Showground, the Brisbane Exhibition Ground, Rowley Park in Adelaide, Claremont Speedway in Perth, Brooklyn Speedway in Melbourne, but particularly in our case, the Sydney Showground. Um, I, I think you just summed it up. It it was the black infield, like the darkened infield, and the ribbon of lights. There yes. were no floodlights in the, in the earlier. Well, there were floodlights there, but they never turned them on, mm-hmm. and and that was a direction of Empire Speedways make it make it a a, a sporting theatre, you know, like make make it you know, and all you saw was the the ribbon of lights around the the, the, the dirt track. It was and an the, entertainment show. 
Yeah, that's right. Entertainment. The minute the minute the race started, the lights went out. So so the people in the grandstand were sitting in the darkness. All they could actually see was the ribbon of light around the dirt track. Now this is this is sporting theater at the Supreme, you know. Mm. Um, and you, you're so right. That that's what two different perspectives. Me looking in, you looking around, you looking out, sort of thing. But yeah. both captured us. That's the bottom line to it. We talk about the showground era with such reverence, but for both of you, you've covered dirt track speedway, asphalt speedway, and then onto the clay. You transition through three very different types of racing and, and race tracks. And at that time, there was this transition going on about handicapping and qualifying and all those sorts of things. Howard, first, can you capture those shifts and what it meant to be going through those different eras? Well, it, it means a lot, Craig, because um, uh, first, the dirt tracks, um, that, as we know, attracted um, two, three and four wheel categories, cars and bikes. And that was the format, that was the standard menu for decades in Australian Speedway. Um, it, it really was. Of course, come the 70s, the emergence of sprint cars, um, it was a changing scene because sprint cars in America were noted for running on clay tracks. And it was, in fact, Sid Hopping, who in the early, early 70s uh, visited America and West Capital Raceway in Sacramento and saw super modifieds and the emergence, even sprint cars in America, but um, saw both super modifieds and sprint cars on clay and they performed so spectacularly. So that's that's how it all came about and um, what happened after that was um, he built Parramatta City Raceway in February at Open 1977 and clay tracks were born in Australia. Now, what this did, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, that's not the time or the place to say here and now, but what it did, it was a massive change in the the scene of Australian Speedway because obviously clay and bikes don't go together too well. Um, and, of course, in those days, we still had the inner Sydney showground venues, so it wasn't, it wasn't uh, that critical. But in later years, it did become critical because the Sydney showground, uh, Brisbane Exhibition Ground, Raleigh Park, um, all these places, Claremont Speedway in Perth, all closed. And bikes were left a little bit in the wilderness, not to the detriment of so much um, it was the changing scene that caused it. So, yes, look, to summarise it all, you, I've gone through the era and, and, of course, pavement at Liverpool was very unique, pavement racing in Australia. And and there were some boom seasons um, at Liverpool on the pavement, highlighted, as you would remember, Howard, with the appearance in 75 and 76 of the legendary AJ Foyt, the Indianapolis 500 icon who won two Australian speed 
Car Grand Prix events, 1975 and 76 respectively, at Liverpool City Raceway on pavement. So it's and that, that was one of the highlights of my reporting career, actually being in the pit area with a notebook standing about three feet away from AJ Foyt <laughs> in 1975. Yeah. Howard, can you talk about those eras? Yeah, from um, a driver's point of view, they were completely different circuits to race on. The race cars had to be uh, set up differently and the driving style had to change to suit uh, whatever you were racing on. Um, so you just couldn't you just couldn't take a car off the dirt and put onto the pavement or the clay or vice versa with the cars were set up completely different. But what about the driver? Yeah you had to change your driving style. Um, you couldn't drive clay or pavement the same as you did on the dirt. Uh, dirt. Dirt was very loose and the racing was a lot closer and there was a lot more respect between drivers back then. Um, and the pavement was similar. It was close racing and the drivers did have a lot of respect. But with clay, the tracks were so rough that the cars would bounce. Um, drivers didn't necessarily mean it to bounce like they did, uh, but could draw, uh, bounce four foot one way and there could be another car alongside of you and within that four foot and that's when you see all the big accidents happen. So the driving styles were completely different for wherever you were racing. Do you have a preferred era, Howard? I like the pavement and I like the dirt. Uh, the clay was good, but if I had a choice, I'd go and run the other two. Only because the clay takes an extra two hours to clean off the car. Well, there was that. That's where the pavement was an advantage. Living in Canberra with a three-hour drive each way, um, it was fantastic because all you'd have to do is dust the car down and just um, all clean for the next race. Can I ask you both to give me some ideas? And I might concentrate the drivers to Howard and to the, uh, well, to the other uh, off-track people, although some of them were both on and off-track. But, uh, Dennis, you can uh, perhaps give me your thoughts on them. And they're members that you're joining in the Hall of Fame. So, Howard, first of all, I know you had a lot of respect for this man, Johnny Stewart. Yeah, he was um, a very tough competitor. He's won a lot, a lot of races. And when I was racing with him, he was very fair. Uh, we had some tough t um, tough races together and um, we'd rub wheels and that's about as close as you'd get. Uh, there's so much respect for each other and um, he certainly deserved to be where he is. Well, not underground, but... We know what you mean. What about uh, Frank Arthur, <laughs> Dennis? Well, Frank Arthur, of course... Um... Uh, a pioneer, one of the pioneers of Australian Speedway, um, one of the, the first group of Australian riders who, who ventured to England uh, in 1928 and the sport of dirt track racing, uh, bike racing, solo racing was, of course, introduced uh, in England in those days uh, after its success 
of previous few years, uh, Maitland in 1923 with its introduction by Johnny S. Hoskins. Um, so he was he was in on the ground floor, and of course he was the founding man or director and and forming Empire Speedway Empire Speedway's proprietary limited and he brought in a business but Johnny S Hoskins was one of the original founding members of Empire Speedway but of course he ventured overseas again and uh, there was then uh, Frank Arthur and Bert Pryor um, leading up to the start of the Second World War now, after World War II, hostilities ceased, they brought in a gentleman from the Royal Automobile Club of Australia by the name of John Sherwood, who was also a racer and actually drove uh, on the road circuit and, and raced at Bathurst. Um, and, of course, uh, he became a legendary a reg- legendary name um, in Australian speedway history as the prime name for Speedway at the Sydney Showground as Empire Speedway Managing Director, of course, along with Frank Arthur. But Frank Arthur also had the Brisbane Exhibition Ground and at one stage he had Toowoomba Speedway. So he um, he was um, in Sydney and then in Brisbane and doing his thing at the Exhibition Ground under the Empire Speedway's banner. Um, but John Sherwood was the man. He was the man in Sydney, the businessman, the astute promoter, the sometimes tough promoter, hard and fair at times. But, um, uh, yes, that's the legacy of Frank Arthur forming Empire Speedways. 1933-34, like inaugural season. So, yes, he's played a major role, Craig, no doubt about that, as, as a Hall of Famer. Howard, Gary Rush, a teammate of yours, but went on to certainly uh, huge heights in the sprint car world. He certainly did. Um, I thought he struggled a bit in the speed cars, but um, when he got into the sprint car, gee, he was uh, head and shoulder above everyone else. He used to put on some really good shows, and um, he had the talent to go with it, and he showed it. Dennis Conmigro, he is a good friend of yours and he was also one of the 2007 inductees. Mm. Well, Conmigro um, is, is very much um, a, um, a very similar identity in his role in Speedway as to the late Mike Raymond, who who also is in the Hall of Fame. And now Mike, of course, as we know, on TV, in the newspapers, on radio, and, and of course, later in, a, in a, another capacity in, in the touring car scene, um, uh, one of the prime movers and shakers and, and a sports director at Channel 7 too and motorsport director at Network 7 for many years. But Con had a similar role in Perth. Um, he, was, he was the track manager for the legendary Australian solo champion, Orb Lawson, uh, and got TV coverage uh, for Claremont Speedway, wrote a weekly uh, column in the West Australian newspaper and had a radio show on um, 6PR, I think it was, 
uh, and um, probably created a bit of history here for, for Australian Speedway because um, in 1971, um, the grand final of the Craven Fielder National Speedcar Drivers Championship, of course held naturally at the Sydney Showground, but Con Migro, this is when I first met Con Migro actually, he did a live radio broadcast back to Perth on commercial mainstream AM radio. I mean, massive in its time back in 1970. This is a live radio coverage from Sydney direct to Perth. And um, I remember the night so clearly because it was a torrential rainstorm uh, during the running of the 50-lap final. <laughs> and I was standing on the Sydney Showground infield without an umbrella. <laughs> so I raced to the nearest destination point um, without trying to, you know, to, to prevent myself from drowning. And I raced under the umbrella, and here's Con Migro standing there with a microphone in his hand. And I nearly bumped into him. And and I and I and he looked around and oh geez what's happened you know and um, that's how we met and uh, he's been a long time friend still a friend talk to him on average once or twice a week on the phone text messages emails very very close uh, the the Migro family is very close to me and even last Saturday night at Eaton Creek Speedway his son of course of many years the the director and and. Um, track manager and promoter at the Perth Motorplex, Gavin Migro, was in Sydney last weekend and we had a great catch-up. We really did. Um, so, yeah, a special man, Con Migro, and, and a very successful man in his role in Australian Speedway as a promoter. Very successful. One uh, ran the inaugural, or well, the... America's Cup, 1987 Festival of Sport in WA, the World Sprint Car Championship. And it was the likes of a very young Jeff Gordon who he brought to Australia, Danny Lososki, um, you know, uh, Shane Carson. I mean, these these were the heavies in the days of the, the uh, American sprint car scene. Howard? Gorgeous George, another man from the St George area. Yeah. Yeah, George and I were really close mates. And um, George was a very, very good driver. Uh, we had a lot of tough races together. And um, we used to talk quite regular on the phone. And George did very well for himself. He did well in the speed cars. He won two national titles and then he hopped into the sprint cars and he won national title in the sprint cars as well. And, um, yeah, very good driver. Kim Benython is a man, and we'll give the plug to the latest Speedway Classics because Rolly Park is featured there. And Kim Benython, I think it's safe to say, was Speedway for a long time in South Australia, along with almost the Minister for Culture over there. Yeah, uh, that's very true, Craig. Um, he was not only a, um, a speedway promoter, he was very much an out-there entrepreneur, um, very much a part of, uh, he had he art galleries and, and 
and a jazz entrepreneur who um, brought to Australia Duke Ellington and Dave Brubeck Five and all that. So he was very much into the jazz scene. But his great one of his greatest contributions, of course, to Australian Speedway is the man who discovered Bob Tattersall, the legendary American speed car driver. Um, and um, as it's written in the latest Speedway Classics edition uh, that I put together, he had a contact over in New Jersey, Joe Bazda, who ran a, a, a speed shop. And in those days, there was, you know, no direct telephone lines or anything. So Joe used to send um, Kimber Nathan uh, press clippings of, of the stars of the speed car the midget scene over there and he pointed out there was a bloke from street of illinois who you should have a look at bringing to australia and his name's bob tattersall and that's how it all started <laughs> 1957-58 season uh, was tattersall's first in australia at riley park so kimber knighton takes the honor Mind you, picked up the mantle a year or so later, 59-60 season by Empire Speedways, but it was always Kimber Nathan who was a part of that because he always had Tattersall race at Rowley Park, as well as we all know. Um, so, yeah, great achievement, Kimber Nathan. Uh, yeah. That's where uh, Tattersall got the the uh, nickname uh, T-Gun. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly that's exactly true. That's how it all happened. Um, and um, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. We actually, if I can just put in a quick plug here, we we have a uh, a dinner coming up on Friday, April twenty eight, April twenty eight, at the Royal Automobile Club of Australia headquarters in downtown Sydney CBD, eighty nine Mac. Quarry Street. Now, John Sherwood was a president of the Royal Automobile Club of Australia, and he always took Bob Tattersall to the Royal Automobile Club for a lunch or a dinner, and um, that's the the and brought him in with some, you know, some very very stylish cowboy outfit and two gun Tattersall. That was there at all with Kimber Nice and who who went, who 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 gave Tattersall the nickname Two Gun. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a very, very significant part of what of what um, Kimber Nathan has done. Yeah, yeah. Now, Howard, the next name I'm going to mention, I think a lot of people will be surprised by uh, because we're not going to go through every inductee, but we are going to mention Mike Figlamini. Uh, yeah, there was a driver that... Uh should still be with us today. He was a real classy driver. He was up there with Johnny Stewart. Um, very, very smooth, clean and fast. And Dennis, just to uh, get your thoughts on uh, another man of, of great interest, and I, I know he's not a journalist, but he wasn't, well, to my knowledge, a racer, and that's Don Mackay. Oh, Don Mackay is a uh, legendary, um, absolutely. Um, former driver, right? Raced at the Sydney Sports Ground uh, back in the in the in the late thirties before World War Two. But his greatest claim to fame and a worthy recipient of the Hall of Fame as an inductee was his years as a car owner. That's when he really hit the scene. 
Of course, his legendary mobile gas Holdens back in the late 50s with his stable of four cars at one stage um, and, he, and his drivers, um, and a South African Les Cooper, Andy McGavin, Johnny Harvey, the late Peter Johnson, all drove mobile gas Holdens and the red and white. But then in later years, uh, when Leroy Warriner first came to Australia in the 60-61 season, Don Mackay purchased the first of a number of often houses he owned over the years. And the following year, uh, Leroy Warriner returned again to Australia and Don Mackay purchased the second Offenhauser. So he had the black and gold 75 and 76. That's how it was inaugurated. It was the colour of the car, a black and gold car, when Leroy Warriner brought it to Australia. Um, and so um, Don Mackay then, of course, I think Don Mackay um, will be remembered for employing some very, very famous drivers. Andy McGavin, of course, is 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 a great name for the sport. Johnny Harvey, um, and of course uh, the late great Jeff Freeman. He's he's very prominent drivers. Ray Oram also drove for him. Gary McClanahan drove for him. Lou um, Marshall. Lou Marshall drove for him. Um, these names, legendary figures in Australian speedway history. But it was, and of course, then his own son, Ronald, carved out his own career driving a Mackay Offenhauser. <laughs> so, yeah, Don Mackay has had a massive role in Australian speed car racing history. And finally, now, Howard, because uh, I don't want to ignore the two-wheelers, Jim Airy. And, uh, of course, he has uh, a huge fondness for uh, the speed car division. Oh, yeah, Jim was just brilliant. Um, he's a very good friend of mine as well. And he was telling me that uh, my dad, Ray Revel, was uh, his pin-up boy. He actually had a, a framed photo in his bedroom for many, many years. But um, Jim's riding ability was just something out of this world, especially at the Sydney Showground, which was his favourite racetrack around the world. Um, to see him just come through the traffic, it was just fantastic. Um, poetry, emotion. Um, yeah, can't say enough about the, the man. He's brilliant. Well, Howard, Dennis, uh, a a final thought now about each other's careers. Well, I I, I have always admired Howard um, because he's one of the safest drivers I've ever seen. One of the one of the smoothest and and very calculated um, and um, had um, great success in hundred lap races. Um, uh, one, 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 a succession of them, um, and and you know, like I mean, not only showground like Liverpool. Um, I mean, they were the, yeah, uh, the the years with the Burko Holden is when Howard really came of age and his career then and raced in America in later years in his own car and um, but a very 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 talented driver and I mean that most sincerely a very safe driver, 
and and very smooth and um you know, I always remember the night how you won your first 100 lap race. Um, that that was an, an epic night, um, and I always remember late in the race. I uh, I'm quite sure I'm <laughs> right in saying this. You're getting pretty tired, Howard. You, no, you're you not wrong. Yeah, yeah, almost lost it on the bullpen's corner there at one oh. stage. Uh, do you remember that? One. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and uh, it was only a few laps to go. And you led for most of the way. So I would rate that as one of the most impressive nights of your career. I know you had a long and illustrious career and you came um, a brilliant second to Johnny Stewart in the 1967-68 Cravenfelder National Speedcar Drivers' Championship. Took him right almost to the last lap to win Stuart to win his second title. It was that close, yeah. you know. And uh, so, so really, um, I, I I put that year, that season, as you right there as a national champion because you were. There's no doubt about it. Um, but a, a great a great career, Howard. I always I always um, remember you as a, as a great driver and and a, and I, I really. I know you retired a long time, but always congratulations on on not only the Hall of Fame inductee this year, but your your career, Howard, magnificent, absolutely brilliant. Uh, thank you very. Much. Well, you got a jo- tough job living up to that sort of praise, Howard. What about Dennis? Your thoughts? <laughs> okay, well, Dennis is um, his research is second to none. His memory. He's better than an elephant. Um, <laughs> I like it, Howard. <laughs> um, no, it's true. Like the, the the things you come up with, and the knowledge you have uh, stored in your computer in your head uh, is just amazing. And they back it up virtually week after week with stories in newspapers or wherever it might be, your magazines that you put out, there's a lot of time that's got to go into them. Uh, and then you even found time to, a couple of years ago, to go over to Indianapolis and uh, be the first, I, I'm not sure if you're the first foreign uh, uh, announcer on the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, yeah. whether it was just the first Australian. Yeah, uh, yeah first, uh, yes, first, first member of the Australian media um, in any form of motorsport or speedway, particularly, to be ever interviewed on the worldwide Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network, and that was in 2019. Yeah, like to do those things is um, you just can't walk up and say, I'm here to do an interview or a a recording or anything. You've got to have uh, a lot behind you to be able to get up those steps. And um, you're still carrying on now. Like I gave Speedway Racing away years ago, but you're still carrying on today. Like. 50-odd years, whatever it is. Um, that's a long time, half a century. And um, it's a credit to how you've been able to 
carry on with the passion that you still have today. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Howard. I really appreciate those words. Um, and I must say it's been very enjoyable as a journalist. And, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a special thing. It's been a great ride, no doubt. And, and even today, I, even today I've been doing a story for Lismore Speedway for next weekend. They've got a two-night show and uh, doing the media invites for the TV networks in Lismore to come out on Thursday to do a media day, so it never stops. <laughs> For those of you who want to hear more stories and to uh, be part of the induction of Howard and Dennis, it is, as Dennis had said earlier, Saturday the 3rd of June at the Melbourne Showgrounds. And it is also part of the Hall of Fame dinner and the awards night. We'll have all the champions and all the other off-track awards being presented at that event, plus a Speedway Expo. So it's a a fantastic weekend to celebrate all things Speedway. And uh, congratulations once again to Dennis Doolan and Howard Ravel. Thanks very much, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, appreciate it. Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.